Hi, welcome to the Growth Mindset Gal podcast with your host, me, Allie Brooke. In this podcast, we'll be discussing self-care routines, mindset practices, and mindfulness habits. We'll combat the stigma around mental health in order to create a safe and open community for people to connect and not feel alone. Focus on your mindset rather than your situation. It's a game changer. Grow your mindset and look how far you'll go. Hi, guys, and welcome back to the Growth Mindset Gal podcast with your host, me, Allie Brooke. Happy Mindful Monday, everyone. I hope you are enjoying this week, and hopefully it's a short week for most of us because we have Thanksgiving on Thursday. I have a three-day work week, and I hope you all do as well. I hope you enjoy the holiday with your friends and your family. I hope you travel safe and I hope that your travel is not a big headache because I know, isn't it like what, Thanksgiving is one of the top like travel days of the year, travel holidays and things like that. So drive safe, fly safe, enjoy your time with your friends and family and take a moment to show gratitude. That is what Thanksgiving is all about, is all about stopping, slowing down, spending time with your loved ones, eating some great food, watching some football, relaxing, and really showing gratitude for all that God, the universe has provided for you. And also, you know, we all know how the real Thanksgiving really went down. Let's, as a historian, it's got to throw it out there. We know the real Thanksgiving isn't what it actually was, but you know, you guys can do your research on your own. Google is a beautiful thing, but um, also just throwing that out there. So, anywho, I hope you have been enjoying this November. It finally got cold in November. It was like 72 weeks ago, and now it's been 30s and 40s, and I'm like low-key here for it because now I can wear my cute sweaters, and I'm so glad I'm not in my classroom anymore sweating because it's, you know, November, and I'm wearing, you know, sweaters and things like that that you're supposed to wear in November. So I'm really happy that I can open my window and it's like a nice temperature. The kids still say it's cold, but listen, I'm in that room for eight hours. I told them, I was like, listen, this is my classroom. It's going to be cold. Okay. Cause I love the cold. Cause I run on hot, bring a sweatshirt. So they're learning and I think fresh air is good and being a little cold keeps you a little bit awake. You know what I'm saying? So I always say I'd rather be cold than hot, especially if I'm like sitting at a desk, I would rather have a little bit of a chill than being sweating. So I'm here for the weather and I hope you guys have been having you know, a wonderful week coming up. I hope you're excited for the upcoming events that you may have with your friends and family. And speaking of friends and family, I know holidays can also be super tough. And so that's why um, I'm putting out this episode this week all about setting boundaries because the holidays is the peak time to set some really important boundaries, which we're going to be talking about uh, today. So thank you guys so much for the wonderful support. You guys literally make my day when I see um, you guys tagging me in your stories, when you're leaving reviews on Apple Podcasts, just listening and downloading. I mean, I, I can look at the app right now. Let me bring it up. That I have right now, thanks to you wonderful people, I have 10,441 plays and downloads. Like, that's amazing. Like, I started this podcast just to share my story and share things that have helped me in my mental health journey. And the fact that there has been 10,445, we went up one, guys, 
plays within, you know, a year and a half and I have 83 episodes out. I, I, I can't even fathom. Like, thank you guys. So in the week of Thanksgiving, I am so grateful and thankful for you guys. Thank you so much for listening, taking the time out of your day, whether you're doing your hot girl walk, you're doing laundry, you're doing the dishes, you're studying, you're working, you're cleaning, you're working out, you're on your commute. Like, thank you so much for listening and tuning in. And thank you so much for the wonderful and amazing support. So speaking of support, let me just open my Apple podcast app. And I'm going to read a review. The review this week is Love Allie's Advice, five stars from Candid Confidence. This show is awesome. Allie has a wealth of knowledge to share and is so fun, bright, and enthusiastic. Tune in. So thank you, Candid Confidence, for the amazing review. Again, if you guys can take, you know, five minutes out of your day to leave a five-star review, it really would mean the world to me. That is how our podcast and our community can grow and more people can tune in. So if you haven't already done so, please make sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It would mean, again, the world to me. And thank you so much for all of the support you have been showing. And... I want to help you guys as well in your mental health journey as I've been going through it. So I want to, again, share with you my mindset coaching program. The link is going to be in my show notes. It is for three months. And for those three months, we meet on an hour, 45 minutes to about an hour, Zoom meetings, either weekly or biweekly, whatever works better for you. And um, I also have a Slack account that you will join, and that will be the weekly or daily you know, check-ins that you would need. And you and I would dive into your mental health journey. Okay. I would love to be there for you guys and be your mindset coach to get where you want to be in your mindset and your mental health. I've been through it. I've been through the journey and I know what it takes and I know how long the process can be and how dreading the process can be. And we feel like if we're not peppy and happy every single day, that means we're not healing. That means we don't have a growth mindset. That's not true. Your mindset journey is a process and I'm here to help you through that process. I'm here to help you clarify your goals in your mindset. I'm here to help you get through the daily routines and the habits that can help you switch up the way you perceive the world. Because life is going to throw some heavy things at you. And it's all about how you respond to those heavy things. So if you are struggling with indecisiveness, a fixed mindset, low self-esteem, right? People-pleasing, imposter syndrome, anxiety. If you are struggling with any of those things, I am here to help get you through that. With our coaching sessions, we're going to be going through different journal prompts, mindset books, deep conversations to really coach you through how you want to improve your mindset and how you perceive this world. If any of that sounds interesting, you can 
go into my show notes. The link is there to apply for a free discovery call with me where we hop on for about an hour and we see, hey, what are you struggling with and where do you want to see yourself? Working with me, you're going to increase your confidence. You're going to be able to create a strong internal dialogue to fight those anxious thoughts. You're going to become more decisive, more confident, learning how to set boundaries, knowing your self-worth, stop people-pleasing, believing yourself again to get rid and combat that imposter syndrome. I'm here for you guys. I want to see you shine and I want to see you become your most authentic self and the person you truly want to be. Because guys, once you step into your power and you know your worth, everything else in life aligns and falls with it. So if that sounds interesting to you, if you want to hop on a free discovery call with me to kind of see where we can go with the coaching program, it is linked in my show notes. And stay tuned, guys, because I'm still in the process of moving. It's been whew, pretty hectic, as moving always is. So um, definitely at some point in December, I'm going to be hosting a free workshop of how to, that's free, guys, free workshop on how to combat imposter syndrome, the three strategies in order to take on imposter syndrome and believe in yourself again. The workshop would be free. It would be a Zoom link. I would be creating um, a Facebook group. You would join the Facebook group. That would give you the link to the Zoom. And the workshop would be for um, about an hour and it would be a group and we would go through what is imposter syndrome, how is it holding you back, and the three major strategies to help you combat it and believe in yourself. So start looking on to my Instagram at the Growth Mindset Gal for more announcements coming up. It's definitely going to be sometime in December. Um, I'll be putting polls out of times that work for you guys and it is free, 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 free. And I love to share this resource with you guys. So stay tuned. All right, y'all, let's get into this episode. Um, in this episode about setting boundaries, I'm going to be referencing the book, Set Boundaries, Find Peace, A Guide to Reclaiming Yourself by Nedra Glover Tawab. And I'm going to be linking the book in the show notes via Amazon. So if you want to hop into this book, it is going to be linked in the show notes. I read this book. I also did a live um, about setting boundaries as well. If you want to go check out um, my live post on my Instagram feed at the Growth Mindset Gal, I am here to tell you this book was amazing. So in this episode, we're going to be talking about the six different types of boundaries and then also how to set them and combat them and all those wonderful things because boundaries are so flipping important, you guys, especially with the holidays coming up. It is so important that you let people know how you want to be treated. That's what boundaries are. You're telling people how you want to be treated. And when we're in this people-pleasing mentality, we're, we burn ourselves out because we're exhausted of trying to please others, okay? And then you wonder, gee, why am I so tired all the time? Why can't I say no? Why do I say yes to everything? And then I flake out and then people get mad at me because you're not setting boundaries, okay? And I know setting boundaries can be a little scary depending on the relationship or if it's family, friends, your significant other, is it work? But once you start setting them and learning to say no, okay, the people who truly respect you are going to respect your boundaries. The people who get mad and angry and do not accept your boundaries were the people that were taking advantage of you in the first place. 
Okay. So we're going to go through it together today. It's really important to set boundaries. And once you start setting them, the easier it gets. Saying no is not as scary as you think it is. So let's first go over from the book, the six different boundaries. Boundary number one is physical boundaries. So physical boundaries is the physical touch, okay, of your body. So that means that it's setting boundaries around how people basically interact with your physical form, if you will. So some examples that she says in the book is physical abuse, forcing hugs, kisses, or handshakes, standing too close, holding someone's hand in public when they made it clear they're uncomfortable with public displays of affection, touching someone on their body in a way that's deemed inappropriate, and reading someone's journal or other form of invasion of privacy. So... This is making sure, especially when the holidays are coming up, making sure you're setting boundaries on physical touch, okay? Because I know when it's the holidays, we're all greeting each other and blah, 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 blah. Me, I live in a big Italian family and I used to hate, and I mentioned this before, I used to really feel uncomfortable because I was kind of shy. Saying hello to all my family members when you walk in and leave an event. So you have to kiss them all hello, kiss them all goodbye. And I'm like... Why do I have to do that? Why can I just, you know, walk in and say hello to everyone? Why do I need to kiss? Why do I need to hug? Can we do handshakes? What's the vibe? But I was always forced, because that's just the Italian way, I was always forced to do that. But now in my adulthood, the way I greet like friends when I go to parties and even family now, I say, hey, hello to everyone. How's everyone doing? I don't go for the kiss because it's just a personal space thing for me. So uh, in the book, it states, setting a physical boundary sounds like this. I'm more of a handshaker. I don't want to hug. Please move back a little. I'm not comfortable with public displays of affection. I prefer we save it until we got home. I've asked you not to rub my back. It makes me feel uncomfortable. These are my private writings. Do not look at them because it's a violation of my privacy. Okay. She then goes on to say, verbalize your need for physical distance to others. Be clear with others about your discomfort with certain types of physical touch, such as hugging. So you need to let people know how to interact with you physically, right? I used to think, it's actually funny, I used to have a teammate um, when I played volleyball in college, and she was not a hugger. And so she would handshake or high five or whatever that she wanted to do. And I remember, again, I was like 21. So way different alley. She was like, oh, yeah, I don't like hugs. I like handshakes or high fives. And in my brain, I was like, this chick is weird. What do you mean you don't like hugs? Like, what a weirdo. And I think back on that and I'm like, Allie. Like she was setting up a boundary and there's nothing wrong with that. Here I am being 21 and, you know, naive and being like, oh, she's weird. No. But see, that was based on my maturity and understanding. Now thinking back on it, that was actually great that she did that. Fine. You want a high five or you want a handshake? Fine by me. You do you. Right. And now when I was 21 and I was on her team, I respected her wishes. I gave her high fives and handshakes and stuff like that. Um, So I wasn't like directly like to her like, wow, you're weird for saying that. I kept that to myself, which was good that I didn't like say it out loud. But it's that's kind of the reaction that we're afraid of when we do set boundaries. We're like, people are going to think I'm weird. 
But guess what? I did think she was a little weird because, again, 21, didn't know any better. But it didn't change our relationship. She was my teammate, I and I respected her boundary, right? So it might be a little awkwardness at first when you set a boundary, especially with physical touch, especially when it comes to your significant other or friends and family, right? It could feel a little weird, but just say like, listen, I love you, right? If it's like a family member or a friend or a significant other, like I love you, but physical touch for me is a very, you know, sensitive thing. And this is my boundary around it. So let's say you're in a relationship and you're not a big PDA person. Like I'm not really a big PDA person. I love doing my cute little things, you know, intimate and private. Um, in public though, I love to hold hands. We can do a little, little smooch. But other than that, like any forms of PDA, I'm like, absolutely not. Which is great because in the beginning of my relationship with Nate, um, we spoke about that. We're like, hey, are we more of like PDA person or more private? And just so happens that we're both you know, more private people. So when we're in public, when we're with friends and things like that, like we'll hold hands and we'll kiss, but that's kind of the base of it. And that's all we get because we're more like private people, which I enjoy because, you know, some things in my own opinion, um, some things should be left, you know, to privacy. So making sure when you're in a relationship, share your boundaries. Hey, I don't like PDA. In public, we can hold hands and do little smooches, but other than that, it's going to make me feel really uncomfortable if we do anything else, right? And if your partner respects you, again, they're going to respect your boundary. When you go to an event with your family, okay, you can say, hey, like, I love you so much, but when we go to events, do you mind if I just give you a hug and not a kiss on the cheek? Fine, Okay. You need to let people know how they're supposed to treat you, okay? When you set strong boundaries and then people don't follow them, they show their true colors, then it's time to have a conversation and be like, hey, I set a boundary the last time we spoke about, you know, kissing on the cheek when we greet each other. I'd really prefer if we hugged. It's just a personal space thing. And if you can't respect my boundary, then we're not going to, you know, hang out anymore. And so be very clear with your boundaries. And you need to also make sure if they don't respect the boundary, you revisit it and then have the conversation. The next boundary that um, she talks about is intellectual boundaries. Now this, woo, this is a huge thing for the holidays coming up. You should be sitting at that dinner table and everyone has different types of intellectual, political values and views. This can get sticky. Okay. So intellectual boundaries refer to your thoughts and ideas. You're free to have an opinion about anything you want. And when you express your opinion, your words shouldn't be dismissed, belittled, or ridiculed. However, staying mindful of what topics are appropriate versus inappropriate in a specific situation is another way of respecting intellectual boundaries. So here's just some examples of intellectual boundary violations. Calling someone names for their beliefs or opinions, yelling during disagreements, ridiculing someone for their views and thoughts, dismissing someone because of disagreements, demeaning a child's mother or father in front of a child, telling children about problems they aren't emotionally capable of handling. So when we're when we are in the midst of our holiday season here, 
here are some ways to set an intellectual boundary. You can disagree without being mean or rude. I don't think this is an appropriate conversation to have with a child. I won't talk to you if you keep raising your voice. That was a mean joke. I'm offended. I just said something. You dismissed me. Why? And if you're a parent, refrain from discussing adult matters with your kids. Be respectful of people who are different from you. Here's a big doozy, okay? Because things, things get heated sometimes at that dinner table. It really does. And it's really crucial to set boundaries on what's going to be talked about during the holidays, okay? And people are going to bring up conversations maybe about political things. Maybe they'll bring up things about personal stuff that you don't want to talk about. It's totally fine to say, hey, I really don't want to talk about that right now. That th- This conversation makes me uncomfortable. Or you could say, I don't really want to talk about politics. I feel like the conversation will not be productive. Okay. And if the conversation starts and it's it starts leaning in a way that you don't want, be like, hey, I love that we're having a conversation, but I do not think it's going in the right direction. So I kind of want to stop it before it gets out of hand. Okay. Or that joke really offended me. Can you please not say that anymore? Or, hey, that's my personal business. I would prefer you not talk about it in front of everyone. Okay. Because when the, that's the thing with family. They they overreach their step and they, they talk about things that's not really their business. Like, For example, it could be, hey, when are you having children? Hey, when are you getting married? Hey, why are you still single? That's none of their business. And you also don't have to explain yourself. Like when I go to family events, Nate and I have been dating for like over like three and a half years. We're almost at four now. And every time we go to family events, they're like, hey, when's there's going to be a ring on that finger? Hey, when when is he going to ask you? Do you know? Do you have any idea? And I'm like sitting there like, I don't care. I know he is eventually going to propose to me. And that's all that matters to me. And they always ask. Or because my sister, she just had a little baby. They're like, hey, like, when are you and Nate going to get engaged and get married? Want another wedding? And I'm just sitting there like, why does that matter to you? And I always say, oh, I don't know. We'll see. We're going to cross that bridge when we get to it. Right? Because it's usually not the boomers are asking, you know, because that's just the boomer way. I mean, I know that sometimes they're saying that because they're just trying to make conversation again, which is fine. But that's why I say, hey, we're going to cross that bridge um, when we get to it. Also, the holidays can get a little feisty. So make sure that people are talking in a tone that is respectful. So if things are getting rowdy, being like, hey, you need to lower your voice when you're speaking to me or listen we don't need to have this kind of attitude when we're talking to one another, right? Be clear. Be clear. Or if the conversation gets a little gossipy with someone who's not there, say, hey, listen, the person's not here to defend themselves. Let's change the topic. Because once people see how far they can go in conversations with you, conversations get a little dicey, right? People's true color come out when you don't set boundaries and they kind of test the waters of what they can and cannot talk to you about. Man, there's been plenty of times where conversations have gone farther than I thought they were going to go in, in, in contacts. And I'm like, wow, now I see how you really feel about a certain topic. So 
I don't need all that. So make sure when you're talking to people, right, either set the boundary and say, hey, I don't want to talk about that or try your best, not even just the holidays, but just life in general. Try your best to, I wouldn't say avoid the person, right? Where like, let's say you always talk to them and they're always constantly complaining about something, about work, about their family, yada, yada, yada. And it's just like so draining, right? Be polite, but, you know, try and distance yourself from that person. Like, for example, I have this coworker. Oh, my goodness. Like, uh, some days are just, wow, with the conversation. And um, we take the train together. And so, again, she's a nice person. But, man, the all the conversation is is complaining, 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 negative, negative, negative. And listen, it's it's 6.30 in the morning. I don't want to hear you complain about work. I want to sit with my podcast. I want to read my book. And now I'm stuck listening to you complain about something that happened at work. Or she catches me on the way home and I'm like, ah, like you, I thought I was scot-free. And then she finds me on the train and I'm like, ugh. And I like sometimes my body literally goes, ugh, when I like see her coming. I'm like, oh, God, I have to do my commute with this woman. And, you know, it's – it's rough because I do talk to her and, you know, we have conversations and I'm polite, but then I just find myself then also complaining about work because I feel like that's all I can relate to her with and I don't know really what else to say, right? And she's my coworker, so I don't want to be like, hey, listen, you know, you're really negative and I really hate talking to you. You really bring down my vibe and all you do is complain, right? So what I've started to do is just when I'm talking to her, I am very polite and I just, sometimes you might just have to deal with it. But the boundary I set up is to try and distance myself, you know, when um, the commute comes up. And, you know, if she doesn't ask me to wait for her to be like, hey, you want to walk to the train together? She doesn't say anything. Like I leave when I leave and I distance myself because it's it's a dicey field. So, but there are times though in the conversation where I try to bring in the positive, be like, oh, hey, it's not that bad. Or maybe, you know, we can talk to someone and find a, you know, a solution and things like that, where it's, it's kind of an icky situation. And I, I want to kind of set my intentions well in the morning. So it, it kind of does become a block, you know, like an energetic block when, you know, we're on the train and she's just complaining about things. So again, I try and at least distance myself from her as best that I can on the way to or from work because I've tried to, in the conversation, make it more positive, but it doesn't work. So I tried. And so sometimes with people, you just kind of have to distance yourself. And that's the boundary is just the physical distance away from the person. Um, I also had a conversation recently, uh, Nate and I had an argument and my biggest thing I want to work on is my temper and I've been really working on it very, very hard. Um, and we just had an argument and my temper did get the best of me and I yelled and I screamed and I really haven't done that in a while. It just really got to me and I yelled and I screamed and Nate set the boundary of like, you know, that is not, you know, tolerated. You know, that's very disrespectful. I do not like when you yell at me. That's not how we solve, you know, conversations. That's not how we solve arguments. Um, and so I apologize and, you know, and I'm working on it. But then there's there's that. Like he set a boundary of, hey, 
you know I don't like it when you yell at me. And you know that's not how we try and solve problems in our relationship. I'm talking to you calmly and you're yelling at me. So, and I respected that. I was like, you know what? You're right. I shouldn't have let my um, temper get the best of me. And I'm really sorry for shouting. And I know that's a boundary that you set in place. So you have to directly communicate, especially um, with your significant other, with your friends, with your family. There's been times with also friends that I've had to kind of revert the conversation um, and, you know, with the gossiping and having more logical look at it and kind of being devil's advocate and trying to bring a little bit of positivity into the conversation. Um, so it's really being when, when it's in, an intellectual boundary, you have to be the model for it. So model the intellectual boundary you want to see in a conversation. So that is setting the boundary of, hey, let's not gossip. Or, hey, don't yell at me when we're having a conversation. Or, hey, I, you know, you might have been kidding, but I was heavily offended by that comment. Please do not say it anymore. Be the model. So don't gossip. If you want that boundary, you don't want to be involved in gossip, you don't gossip yourself. You don't yell if you don't want people to yell at you. You, um, you know, don't make jokes that could offend people if you get offended by jokes. You see what I'm saying? With intellectual boundaries, you need to be the model that you want to see. The next boundary is emotional boundaries. When you share your feelings, it's reasonable to expect others to support you. For some of us, however, expressing emotions is not easy. So when someone belittles your emotions or invalidates your feelings, they're violating your emotional boundaries. This can make you feel uncomfortable next time you want to express your emotions. Yes. Emotional boundaries are a huge thing that kind of intertwine with intellectual boundaries because with your emotions, right, you feel like a burden sometimes if you overshare, if you want to vent, right? So what I've done sometimes when I'm talking on the phone with friends or in person with friends and they need to vent, I always ask them as like the boundary, do you are you do you just want to vent right now and you just want me to listen or do you want some advice like do you want me to listen to give you advice or do you just want me to listen so you can vent and do your thing so that way they don't emotionally you know overstep or i don't emotionally overstep my boundaries seeing what they want so with healthy boundaries you express your feelings and personal information to others gradually not all at once this also means you share only when it's appropriate and you choose your confidants carefully. Examples of emotional boundary violations, sharing too much too soon, so oversharing, sharing inappropriate emotional uh, information with children, emotional dumping slash excessive venting, hey, just talked about it, pushing someone to share information they are uncomfortable with sharing, invalidating someone's feelings, telling people how you feel, such as you shouldn't be sad about that, Minimizing the impact of something such as that wasn't a big deal. Pushing people to move past complicated feelings swiftly. Gossiping about the personal details of another person's life. Okay. And here are some ways to combat that boundary. When I share things with you, I expect you to keep them confidential. I feel uncomfortable sharing my feelings. I would feel better if you acknowledged what I'm saying with a nod. 
I hear that you have a lot of things going on. I don't feel equipped to help you. Have you considered talking to a therapist? I don't feel comfortable talking about that topic. It isn't okay for you to tell me how I should feel. My feelings are valid. I will make my time processing. I'm sorry. I will take my time processing my feelings. Don't rush me to move on. And it's okay for me to feel how I feel in any situation. Ask people if they want you to listen or if they're just looking for feedback. This will help you determine whether or not to offer suggestions. Share only with people you trust who can indeed hold space for your emotions, right? So the emotional boundary goes both ways. So you need to make sure, okay, how you're sharing your emotions and who you're sharing your emotions with and vice versa with how people are sharing emotions for you. Okay. So what I mean by that is, for example, with Nate and I's relationship, when Nate and I have things going on in our relationship, that's for us. Okay. Um, And Nate and I set that boundary in the beginning of our relationship where if we are having conflicts, we're going to try our best to keep it within ourselves. Right. And we're going to fix it within ourselves. Now, it does get a little tough sometimes And there have been times where I've maybe asked like a friend or my sister for just a little bit of advice with a conflict, but because I know it's my sister and she won't judge the situation. Um, and then my, my close friends, um, that I know will not judge the situation, but I, I am very, um, I have a lot of discernment on which conflicts I share with friends if I need some help or I need some advice in the situation. Um, I also share with my therapist. My therapist gets the big chunk of it because I would love her professional feedback on how to resolve a conflict in my relationship. But most of the things in our relationship, we settle between ourselves because I feel, and I've seen this a lot, is when you're with your friends and it's okay to be like, hey, like my boyfriend and I are going through this, you know, uh, what would be like your advice or something like that, which is fine. But I also don't want to feel like I'm in your relationship. And I also don't want to tell you what to do in your relationship because I'm not a professional. And that's why I talk to my therapist because she is a professional with anxiety and well-being, with women, with relationships. So I kind of ask her a lot of the questions because. It's all about your privacy, right? And setting boundaries between that. So that's why when my friends want to ask me, hey, can I share something with you that's going on in my relationship? I say, that's fine. Do you want me to listen or would you like feedback? Like, do you just want support or do you want me to help you get through it, right? And so it's crucial to set those boundaries. And also... If you're about to vent and go wild or you really need like a a deep conversation to go on, let the person know being like, hey, do you have time to talk? I really have something important I want to share with you and it might take a little bit. Do you have time or can I call you like when you're free? Because that's also respecting the other person to find time to hold space for the emotion, right? And if your friend's asking you that on the other end, being like, hey, I'm really busy right now. Call me at 5.30 and that I'll have time. I'll be home. I'll be off the train. You can call me then and I'll ha- I'll be able to hold space for what you're going to tell me. Because when you go on a big vent session about work, about relationships, about family, 
make sure the person that you're you want the support from has the capacity to hold space and maybe they don't there's been times where i've talked to my friends and i'm like hey you know maybe you should go see a therapist like i've gone to therapy and it's been really helping me with this issues maybe you should go to therapy as well see if it's something you're interested in and it's actually one of my friends um she was actually telling me how her therapist wasn't really working for her anymore and i told her i was like hey my therapist literally um, well, not my actual therapist, because that's a conflict of interest, but the um, therapy practice that she's involved in literally focuses on women with anxiety. So I said, hey, like, why don't you call um, my therapist's um, practice and see if they can find a therapist for you? Because it's literally, you know, what they focus on. So see, I am switching that I can't, I can hold some space for you to talk about anxiety because I also go through it. But here's a therapist that can help you because they help me as well. So don't think you're ever a burden sharing things with your, with the people that you love, that you care about, that you trust. But on the other end, make sure they're ready to absorb what you're going to tell them. Cause there's been plenty of times where, you know, um, my friends would call me and be like, Hey, like I got a, I got a big thing I need to tell you. And I would be like, hey, listen, like I love you and I want to hear from you um, and you can vent to me, but I'm on the train right now. Can you wait like 10 minutes until I get off So, and I'm going to call you back? Because I cannot help my friends emotionally if I'm on the train. If I'm on the LIRR, I'm useless. So when you're sharing emotional information, okay, make sure to set the boundary and you can even say maybe your your family member is sharing something with you and you're like, hey, like I feel like this is kind of a conflict of interest because like, you know, let's say it's, um, for example, my sister's calling me about our mom. Let's just throw that out there, right? My sister would be like, oh, my mom did this, mom did that, blah, 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 blah. And I'd be like, I know, like, you know, that's how mom is sometimes, but just give her the benefit of the doubt, right? And so kind of validating someone's emotions, but also trying to be like, hey, like, do you want to see the other side of this? Right? And sometimes maybe they don't, they just want to vent, but that's why you ask. Be like, hey, do you want me to listen or do you want feedback? So don't ever feel like you're a burden to your friends and family, to your significant other when you are sharing your emotions, because you're not. You are not a burden. But make sure they have the space and capacity to hold the space for your emotions when you are sharing. Hey, Growth Mindset Gang. Have you ever been super overwhelmed, anxious, or stressed in your life due to maybe your job, your relationships, your friendships, your family, and you have all this inner turmoil and it can seem like there is no way out. I felt that way. I remember when I was on the train to work one day and I had this super influx of anxiety and I didn't even know where it was coming from. And I would talk to my friends and family and significant others about it, but I needed something more. I needed to talk to a professional. And so I started going to therapy because I realized I shouldn't live like this and neither should you. So today's sponsor is brought to you by BetterHelp, which is here to help you. 
BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen and help you. Talk to your therapist in a private, online environment at your convenience. There is a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's 20,000 plus therapist network that gives you the access to the help that may not be available in your area. You just need to fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs, and then you get matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. That is two days, you guys. Then you schedule a secure video and phone sessions. Plus, you can exchange unlimited messages, and everything you share is completely confidential. I actually used BetterHelp when I started my therapy journey. It was one of the first options I looked at because I felt like I was so busy all the time. When would I have time to go to find a therapist and then go to therapy? And I remember I took a very simple questionnaire and they matched me with a therapist. She was super helpful and useful. And I was able to text her whenever I was feeling anxious. And I was like, this is amazing. Right? And I know therapy can be a little intimidating at first and it kind of feels like dating and you kind of go through the different aspects and motions of it. But with BetterHelp, if you're not feeling the therapist that they gave you, they will switch it up and find someone better for you. So it takes the stress from you with finding a therapist that works. And you can request a new therapist at no additional charge at any time. So join the 2 million plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp therapist. And let me tell you, from my own experience with therapy, it is so amazing to talk to a professional about your anxiety and have them kind of go through specific scenarios and conversations with you so you don't feel alone. And they give you helpful tools in order to take on and combat your overwhelm, your anxiety, and your stress. Because you guys know, we shouldn't be living like this and we shouldn't be living stuck in our own heads and we should enjoy life. And talking to a professional can definitely help with us to switch our perspective and grow our mindset. You can get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash the growth mindset gal. That's better com slash the growth mindset gal. That link is going to be in my show notes. And if you're interested in therapy, this would be a beautiful, wonderful first step to see if this can work for you. And I hope you guys enjoy these services that it provides. And I hope that it helps you in your mindset journey. The next boundary is material boundaries. Material boundaries have to do with your possessions. Your stuff is your stuff. If you decide to share your stuff, it's your choice. You also have the right to determine how others treat your possessions. If you loan a friend a tool in good condition, it's appropriate to expect the tool to be returned in the, sh- in the same shape. When people give you something back in worse condition, they violated your material boundaries. Examples of material boundary violations. Using things longer than the agreed time frame, never returning a borrowed item, loaning borrowed items to others without permission, damaging a possession and refusing to pay for it, returning possessions in poor condition. Setting a material boundary sounds like this. I will loan you money, but I expect a full amount back by Friday. I can't loan you my car this weekend. Be sure to return my tool in good condition. I can't loan you any money. You can borrow my suit, but if you stain it, you'll have to pay for dry cleaning. 
Do not loan things to people who have demonstrated that they will not respect your possessions. Share your expectations for your possessions up front. Okay. So here's a big thing with material items. Okay. That you got to make sure if you are loaning people money, woo, that's a big one for me. Loaning people money is a very helpful but scary thing. Okay. I am not a big proponent of loaning people money only if it's like an emergency and I know they're going to, I know they're going to repay me. Okay. Especially big sums of money. And that's why it's important with material boundaries. You set that up front, be like, Hey, I'll loan you a thousand dollars, but you need to pay me back by the end of the month. Like cut and dry. If they say they cannot do that, don't, I will like, don't loan, I cannot loan you the money. If you cannot tell me you can give it back to me by the end of the month or two months or whatever we say, you got to set that boundary, especially with money. Money gets a little fickle. Money and loaning people, whether it's friends or family, significant other, it gets a little, it gets a little wild. So you got to make sure you set the boundaries for when you loan, okay? With other material items like a car or, um, you know, tools and things like that, I always say to people that if they're going to borrow my car, okay, you need to fill it up when you come back. Like you should come back with my car with a full tank of gas. Okay. Especially if like, if it's a long drive, like if you're just using my car to go around the block, like that's fine. But if you're using my car to like drive for like a half hour or more to get somewhere like to and from, like you're going to use most of my gas. So on your way back, of course you can borrow my car. You need to bring it back though with a full tank of gas. I think that's fair. If you're using my gas, you need to give it back. Especially if gas is like three to four dollars on Long Island. Like, yeah, you gotta refill my tank. So with material items, set the expectation up front. Okay. Hey, sure, you can you can totally borrow, you know, my wrench. I don't have any tools. I don't know what things are. You can definitely borrow my wrench. Just give it back to me by the end of the week when you're done using it and make sure to take care of it, okay? Like, and if let's say you loan someone, like maybe your car or a tool or other material item and it comes back in worse condition, we're done. We are done here, people. You cannot use my stuff anymore. I'm very also territorial when it comes to my things. So if you give it back to me in worse condition, we're done. I like you shouldn't be giving people stuff if they're returning it in terrible condition. I don't care who they are. I don't care if they're your family, your friend, your significant other. If you are giving them stuff to borrow and they literally give it back to you in worse condition, uh-uh. And when they give it back to you, be say, you know, I gave you this um, tool in confidence that you're gonna take care of it, and you didn't. So don't ask me to borrow my tools anymore. You've lost that privilege. But that's it's that simple because you're doing someone a favor. Let's say um, someone you you loan the money and then they were late with their payment. Oh, okay. Well, you know what? That's the first and last time I'm loaning you money. Sorry. Like it's you have to show how people are going to treat you. Like you need to model. This is my expectation of you. You can't do it. Then we're done for. Like material items, it's it's plain and simple like that. There's really not much more to it. The last boundary is time boundaries. This is a big one. In my experience of the six areas listed, time boundary area is the area that people tend to struggle with the most. 
Time boundaries consist of how you manage your time, how you'll allow others to use your time, how you deal with favors requests, and how you structure your free time. People with these issues struggle with work-life balance, self-care, and prioritizing their needs. Giving up your time to others is one significant way you might violate your time boundaries. If you don't have the time for something that you want to do, you don't have healthy boundaries with time. Examples of how we violate time boundaries and how they are violated by others. Calling multiple times in a row for non-emergencies. Expecting someone to drop everything in order to provide help. Calling or sending text messages late when the recipient is sleeping. Asking others to do things for free. Overcommitting. Having long conversations with emotionally draining people. Oh my goodness with that one. Requesting favors at a time when it's clear the other person isn't available. Asking someone to stay late for work for no additional pay. Accepting favor requests from people who won't reciprocate. Setting a time boundary sounds like this. I'm unable to stay late today. I work from 9 o'clock to 5 o'clock, so I'm not available to chat throughout the day. I can't help you this weekend. I can help you with your taxes, but my fee is $75. I won't be able to make it to your event on Tuesday. Before you say yes to a request, check your calendar to make sure you're not overcommitting. Don't try to squeeze into another event or task. You'll ups- you'll be upset about doing so. I do that all the time with overbooking. I've talked about that before. It's the worst. When you're busy, allow calls to go to voicemail and text or emails to go unread until it's convenient for you to respond. Yes. Time boundary is a huge thing. This is where the this is the most where I think people pleasing comes in is that's why you feel very burnt out because you're not managing your time and you're overbooking yourself. This is where you need to learn to say no. Even at work too. Sorry, you work nine to five. You want me to work overtime? Give me that overtime pay. Sure, I'll work, but I got to get paid. Okay. When I work throughout the day, like I'm teaching, I do not answer anything until my prep period. And I've told I actually had to tell my mom this because she was texting me a lot during the day, like just showing me like pictures of things she wants to buy or that she's thinking of buying me or whatever. And I had to tell her, be like, hey, mom, like, I'm just not going to answer you right away because there would be times where she would send me something and she'd be like, hey, I'm going to order it now. Like, do you want it? Do you want it? And I'm like, I'm teaching woman. <laughs> like, so I had to tell her being like, hey, like I, you know, enjoy that you want to text me and show me things you want to buy or whatever, but I'm not going to answer you right away. I am teaching. So she's definitely... Once we set that boundary, she's gotten better at it. She'll still text us while I'm teaching, but like, because my sister teaches too, so I'm saying us. She'll still text us, but she like knows like we'll respond when like we're when we're free. Like she's she's not gonna keep texting us. So make sure you are setting your time boundaries. So for example, and I've said this before, my friends know I don't hang out on Friday nights. I am not your girl Friday night. I am tired from the week. I want to come home, put on my comfy clothes, and watch Netflix. That's what I want to do. Make dinner, sit, relax. And I I don't want to go out. I don't want to do no happy hour. I don't want to do any of that. I'm done. Saturday, I'm your girl. And Sunday, I'm your girl for like brunch, watching football, like chill vibes. And that's it. Like people know. And um, when I'm looking at my weekends, when people ask me, hey, are you free? I literally go into my calendar and I check if I'm free for that weekend. Because I've double booked myself in the past and I was a miserable broad. I really was. I was not having a good time because I was um, overtired because I didn't like take time for myself to, 
isolate and relax because I am an extroverted introvert where like I love being social, but she got a time limit. She can't be social forever. So make sure when you're planning things, check your calendar before you say yes. Like for example, um, we wanted to do like a family brunch on December 4th. And I was like, I got to see because I might be still like finishing up my move in. So don't count me in for it. If I'm already fully moved into the new apartment, I'm going. But if I'm still in the process of moving, like you can count me out, right? I was asked, I check my calendar. And so I don't overbook myself. Okay. You got to, and let me tell you, leave work at work with your time boundary. I know it's hard. I'm a teacher. Listen, I, when I leave that building at 2.40, I'm done. Or I'll say to myself, hey, um, I can grade something really quick at home. And that's the one thing I'll do. Like if it's a quick grade, classwork, homework really quick, I can do, it'll take maybe like 20 minutes. I'll do it. And I'll tell myself, okay, this is the one thing I'm going to bring home from work today. And that is it. But most of the days, whoop, work is at work. I set the boundaries. I told my my students and my parent and the parents, you cannot contact me after 5 p.m. So if you're doing homework or something you need help with, I can help you until 5 p.m. After 5 p.m., I will not answer you. I will answer you the next day at 7 a.m. And I told them that you cannot contact me before 7 a.m. on a weekday. So if you're gonna be absent or something happens, you can contact me. 7 a.m. and later before school. School starts um, at 8 o'clock. So between 7 and 8, um, that's when I start getting to work. You can message me and I will message you right away. I've had parents um, message me on like Class Dojo or Remind at 6.30 in the morning. I saw it and I did not answer until 7 a.m. because that is my boundary. Kids have messaged me on Google Classroom at 9.30 for some odd reason. Know why you're doing homework at 9:30? You've been home, <laughs> um, but I was. But I was. Listen, at school, I was the type of person where I came home and like did my homework because I wanted to get it out of the way, and then like I would have the whole rest of the night to to do what I wanted. But life may be different for them. That's fine. But they're messaging me at 9:30. I'm in bed, so that's past five. That is past 5 p.m. I do not answer, and I will answer them at 7 a.m. the next day. So set your time boundaries. Let people know when you're available. Let people know when you're unavailable, okay? And make sure you don't have to say yes to every social outing. You don't have to say yes to all the favors, okay? Only say yes to the favors that you can do. You have time to do it. You can hold space for it because then you're going to overexhaust yourself and you're going to be burnt out, okay? You got to let people know when you are available to them, okay? And when people react negatively to your boundaries, again, they were taking advantage of you not having any, okay? The true good people in your life are going to be the people who respect your boundaries when you share them, okay? Now, not every time you share a boundary, you're going to get a great result right away. There may be a little shooketh, and that's fine, but as long as they understand and they don't break the boundary, then you're good. If they break the boundary and you say again, hey, I set this boundary and they're still breaking it, that might be a bigger conversation that you need to have. That person may need to be spoken to and maybe cut out of your life if they can't respect your boundaries, okay? Your boundaries, I'm going to say this for the people in the back, your boundaries show people how to treat you. It it shows the expectation of how you want to be treated, 
Okay. When you have strong boundaries, you'll notice that people do not take advantage of you because you show them and you, you talk about and you share how your time is going to be treated, physical touch, your materials, having conversations and intellectual sharing, emotions. Then people know they know how to interact with you when you set boundaries. When you don't set boundaries, people think you are free game. I can just do whatever I want with this person and they will. That's humans for us. You know, we are a lot of great things, but man, humans, we can be very manipulative and we will take advantage of people who don't have boundaries. And then those people with boundaries, they're super nice and sweet, right? But then you're exhausted and then you don't have time for yourself. And at the end of the day, the most important person in your life is yourself. You need to take care of yourself and treat yourself with respect so that way you can be your best self to then serve others in this world. Okay? At the end of the day, you need to make sure that you're good so that way you can do good in this world. So again, those were the six boundaries. And the book that I reference is Set Boundaries, Find Peace, A Guide to Reclaiming Yourself by Nedra Glover Tawab. That's going to be linked in the show notes. And I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you liked it, make sure to share it with a friend, share it on your story, and you can tag me on Instagram. And if you are really enjoying what you're listening to, please make sure to leave a review, a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, rate, subscribe, and review there. Follow me on Spotify. And remember, grow your mindset and look how far you'll go. I'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. Part of the Boundless Audio Podcast Network.